So I want to know how you found out about me. Like, was it like somebody who had done the show before, maybe another artist who had put you on? I'm always interested to figure out how the music gets to where it goes. Like, how did it get to you? Yeah, so I guess I would start at Sandeep Sharma. Okay. Um, Love Sandeep. Yeah. Um, great guy. He was like, I mean, you know how he is. He's always just like getting on to people's stuff and just yeah. like, so he was messaging me about the podcast. He found my podcast. Um, and I'm actually like still barely in the rap scene. Okay. Like I've, I've been trying to have local musicians for about a year now. And like, one thing is, is that since I'm more in the like rock scene, um, it sure is a lot of white dudes. Um, and as me not being a white dude, I feel a little uncomfortable, just like the list of just like white dudes on the podcast. Yeah, you want to diversify. Like, I get it. <sighs> I got to change this list up. Um, so Sundeep actually hits me up and it's like, cool. Uh, and he he at the time was also like, you know, pretty freshly on the scene. He's still yeah. kind of freshly on the yeah, scene. Right. Yeah. Um, but he he told me about how he was trying to get on Thomas Who. Like he was trying to like make beats for Thomas Who. Yeah. Um, Which and, he did. Go some beat. Yeah, <laughs> he exactly. Did a lot of beats for Thomas Who. Yeah. Exactly. And so, yeah. So Thomas Who and then seeing all the features that, Thomas who has had on, uh, I also had Thomas who yeah. on the podcast. Um, he's great. And yeah. So it's like, now I got to look at just the extent of the rap scene since I'm like just now getting into it. Yeah. And again, since I am trying to diversify, I'm like, all right, like who is doing something different here? Yeah. And it's like, KO is always doing something different here. And, um, uh, yeah, I mean, I saw your feature on Will Rap for Change yeah. and uh, on other Thomas Who stuff. So uh, and on Fire in Little Africa. And so I'm like, no, that's dope. <laughs> like, I'm always I'm always curious, like, especially knowing that you do rock like and it's a different side. It's like everybody doesn't feel the way that I feel to where their approach to music is like I have the potential to love anything. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Some people kind of stick to their box. Like, I like this type of music and that's I'm not really the audience for that. I'm not that kind of person. So it's like for somebody who does rock to hear like different hip hop songs and be like, well, I like this. You know what I'm saying? I think this is creative or dope what they're doing. Like just to be somebody who catches somebody's radar. I always wonder like how it registers whenever it's received on the other side. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, the other thing about like, I, I bring up the genre question sometimes as well, just because it seems like we really close ourselves off. We're Like whether or not we're doing it on purpose, like... You know, we hear other people that are doing stuff that we like and, and we gravitate towards it. But yeah, the the music scene, I'm sure this is true for like any places music scene is that like, oh, yeah, there's like, you know, the punk scene and the hardcore scene and the indie rock scene and the singer songwriter scene and the rap scene and the like all of these sort of things like everyone has their own individual groups and it's clicky. And, and that's something that I've heard a lot of people say about the scene is that like Oklahoma can tend to be really clicky and I don't know if we're doing it on purpose, but yeah, go ahead. Um, in some cases, well, in some cases I believe so. It's like, I didn't grow up in Oklahoma city. So it's like, I'm not, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put myself like in a circle of click because everybody, I kind of go really a lot of places and do a lot of things. It's like, 
there's no like in some cases where people will create their own opinion on who you are be like oh well this person went to this school and I knew their brother and they was like this like it'll be different connections like that mm. for me it's like I'm just somebody coming out the middle of nowhere and you don't know what the hell this is you feel me so the approach is a little bit different but um but for sure clicks like there's different but I think that's kind of like inside the genre like it's its own subgenre like the same thing that you were just saying um if you like trap hip hop if you like conscious hip hop if you like um the hip hop that they make for TikTok, like if you like Coyle Ray, like it's different, it's different, like the same way if we talked about rock. Now, I don't know the different subgenres out of pocket them, like if you like, would Tool be considered rock? Yeah. Uh, Papa Roach. I like Papa Roach when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. Like, um, I don't know a lot about like Led Zeppelin or Aerosmith or, or nothing, mm -hmm. but I know that these are like rock stars. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. I don't know how to like, um, but it might be a true rock head who will be like, well, that rock is garbage. Like that's not the, the real stuff. You know what I mean? So it's, it's separated by that, I think, in some cases. But, um, damn, I don't even know where I was going with that. Subgenres, whatever. Yeah, well, I mean, and, and one weird thing is that, like, the way that we interf interact, interface with music as consumers and as artists, it, it changes, right? And so, you know, the, the kind of music that we might consume is probably way different than the music that we make. Yeah. Um, and, you know. I listen to everything yeah. and I try to make everything. Yeah. Um, the last show I did, I performed poetry. It wasn't quite rapping, um, but like I had like distortion and like feedback and all that sort of stuff. I don't even know how to like categorize that as a genre. Okay. The show I did before then was like my singer songwriter stuff. So like scream, like scream, the scream rock? Uh sometimes but like <laughs> you probably know more than I do but it's like I'm trying to make the point of like how um even if it's like somebody who's like a real rockhead will say that rock is trash you I feel like because you can diversify it enough you'll know like that's even good trash though you know what I mean like yeah, yeah even if it's not like it's not Aerosmith but what they doing is creative and new even if it's like rooted in this like it's still some dope shit going on like yeah and that's something to do more with just like understanding what they're trying to do right and so um the one question i always ask is like is there such a thing as bad music yeah. and i don't necessarily think there's such a thing as like objectively bad music but there is such a thing as like badly made music yeah. or not well thought out music and so whenever we're making stuff we are trying to say something. We're trying to communicate something, whether it's through the music, whether it's through the poetry, whether it's through whatever, or where it is in the track listing. You know, there's lots of ways that you can say something in music. Yeah. But there's also lots of ways that you're saying something that you don't really know what you're saying. And so uh, having a, like, why would you put a banjo in a rap song? And it's like, what does that say? What is that saying? You know, and and in some cases, maybe it's just I like the way that the banjo sounds and I put it in the rap song. Yeah, and, that's and what that's, I was going to say. Yeah. And that's fine. Um, but then there's also like, you know, the cultural context. And it's like, well, like the banjos started in Africa and then made its way to like the United States as like folk music. And like it 
started as black folk music, but then it like got appropriated by the hillbilly thing. And so now we associate culturally the banjo with like white hillbillies. Like hillbilly shit. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And so like by having the banjo in rap music, you're sort of like reclaiming the original folk black music. And like that, I just, I just took a really long path. There, no, no, I love know? how you did that because, like, I then I have to ask you. So, are, are you you seen the stuff with the Elvis movie? Uh, I mean, I know about it, but like, well, I mean, just the story of Elvis. Period. It, it's the forefront of my mind because I want to go see that movie. But sure, sure. the whole story of Elvis and like how he kind of, like you said, cultural appropriated the whole shit. Like it, those were black songs, black mm-hmm. music, and he kind of he had a bigger platform and a little bit more of a push, so he took it and ran farther with it. But in the culture, it's known as like this was Elvis sound, but it was never Elvis sound. Mm-hmm. So it's like whenever the part I like whenever they cross um cross mix genres or whatever, mm-hmm. if that's the right term. It's like I like when you bring rock to the rap world, like that um the Lincoln Park Jay-Z shit. Yeah. I thought that was some dope shit. It it's was. like creatively to even think of the idea to blend that together. Like I like shit like that. I think it's interesting to see where people can take it creatively because you never know. Like bringing two people from two different walks of life, like two different genres that they've studied, like both students of music, but just making something like we've never heard before. It's, it's just different. So I'm for that. Like, put the banjo on every fucking thing. You know yeah, what I mean? Wow. Like, that's how I feel. Like, whatever you want to bring to the table to make it more creative. Like, when we're talking about Sundeep, what I love about Sundeep is that I can go to his studio and I can tell him I really like this new Weekend album. But I also like this new Bryson Tiller album. What I would like is a blend of a beat that feels like it It feels, it's like I, I want it to be like emo pop but I still wanted to have like trap beats on it. Mm-hmm. And Sundeep as a creative will understand. Not somebody who even listened to Bryson Tiller or the Weekend album. When you tell him the style of the sound, because he studies music, he understands. Mm-hmm. So I think that's like the coolest shit ever to find like people who, even if they don't know the genre, they speak the language creatively. You know what I mean? Like I'm familiar with those drums on that, or I'm familiar with the guitar on this, and I know how to combine that to make this emo sound. Like, you have to love creatives like him because they create shit like that. You know what I'm saying? I think that's, like, the coolest shit ever. Like, anytime I go see him, like, talk to him about beats and stuff, it's, like, the way that he approaches it, knowing that he's, like, I may not even be the biggest fan of this, but I can make that. Mm-hmm. I've never seen no shit like that before. I think it's cool because I feel like, as a creative, if I, if I didn't feel it, if I couldn't connect, then... So I always wonder, in the creative mind of somebody who doesn't operate like that, like, how do you how do you cross-blend cross blend genres? Like, I don't get it, but mm-hmm. he's a guy who's mastered it. That don't have nothing to do with nothing, but he's just my... Sunday was my example because I've seen him do it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, like, I I got a degree in music composition so that I could do that, yeah. right? And so... So that's like, something that's taught. It's not necessarily like a creative approach, you don't think? Well, I mean, both. Okay. So, I mean, it, it's a funny thing. It's it, I guess it's a recurring theme on this podcast, but, like, I've kind of taken to telling people not to go to college for music (laughs) and I went to college for music um but like in this economy you can learn all the things you need to learn from just like I'll I'll give you the list of books if you want them and you can just go to YouTube and at this point like a lot of stuff in school is being taught through YouTube as well and so uh you can you can learn this stuff yourself you can just listen to a whole bunch of music and and just ask questions right and and that is the like the genuine curiosity that you should approach whenever you're like seeking an education um and so yeah you can you can go to an institution that shows you these things or you can let your natural curiosity get you there yeah 
and and there's tons of stuff that I know and I know very deeply about music that didn't come from my education. Okay. And that's because of my own natural curiosity. But I also have a certain approach because of my education. And so I I have ways of listening to music in in a specific way because of the ways I was taught, but also I'm curious like anyone else. Everyone's curious and and like Sundeep, you know, you can just listen to a whole bunch of different things yeah. and go, oh, I can hear kind of how to get there. And so... And then he'll throw like some Indian Indian fused sounds in it. And then it's like creatively, it's the same shit you were saying with the banjo. Like some of the stuff where he brings in his culture and then applies it to these things where I've never heard it before. I think it's the coolest shit ever. So I'm I'm for that 1000%. Like now the part that you're telling me to where I, I might have gave Sundeep too much because I really thought it was just a creative approach. But if you're telling me that's something in school that they can like, they teach you to replicate that. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like to how to be able to create that yourself. Like I didn't even know that was a thing. So yeah, that's news to me. Well, right. But I mean, Sundeep didn't go to school for music. Oh, wait, he didn't? Mm-mm. Okay, it's news to me. No, All he, right. he is a geophysicist by education. Shit, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's the thing. Yeah, with Sundeep, his actual just genuine curiosity. Yeah. yeah, his genuine curiosity okay. has gotten him there. And so that's kind of another reason why I'm telling people not to go to college is that like, you have it in you to gather all of these things. And so unless you just need the piece of paper that comes out of education, like you need to tell people that like, Oh, I have this bachelor's degree. Please give me a job. Uh, That is sort of a shorthand for, I have this kind of experience or you can just let your body of work speak for itself. And so that's a different thing. So like, yeah, Sunday didn't go to school for music. He's just deeply curious I know he was a tech guy, but I thought he had some background in me. That's crazy. Yeah. That makes it even more fire. So, yeah. (laughs) And yeah, anyone can do that. I think that's that's something that I try to emphasize a lot is that people talk a lot about talent. Mm -hmm. Right. But like, you know, you've been rapping since forever. You were a little girl and you were just like getting good at it. And so to someone tell you to like, go up to you and like, oh, wow, you're so talented. Like, I, I wish I like could be as good as you, but I'll never be that good. And it's like, I'm not talented. I worked my ass off to get to this point to be able to rap like this. And you can too. I don't want to jump back to our, um in our deep box, but I do have a, I do have a follow-up question for that. So it's like, do you not believe in like, um in my language, I'll say like the anointing, like certain stuff that you see that's like one in a million, once in a lifetime stuff. It's like if you see like a LeBron James play basketball, anybody can pick up a basketball practice every single summer for the rest of their life and train and be like great in the skill. But it's something about it that's just, this isn't just, this isn't a trained skill set. Some of it is like that, that's in you. That's your natural ability. You know what I mean? Like I think that it's stuff like that. Like whenever you see a Beyonce or a Prince, a Michael Jackson, it's like some of that is, no matter how hard you train or do what they do in your life, you won't be that. And we can guarantee you that. Mm-hmm. Like, do you do you believe that or no? Or I, I do believe that. And the the difference is that like it's kind of a roll of the dice all the time, right? Like you didn't choose to be born in Oklahoma right. or grow up in Enid or whatever it is, but like this is where you are. And you know, maybe at some point, like you will 
hit the success and people will talk about your story and be like, oh, wow, like, you know, she grew up in Enid and this is how like this is the exact reason why she's as good as she is is because you go and that's you can't tell me you haven't heard that story before. Like because LeBron James is from Akron, Ohio. (laughs) Who do you know from Akron, Ohio? Like Prince, what is it? Minneapolis, Minneapolis. Yeah. Like how nobody from these places like it has to be the. Like, I look at Enid as one of those places where it's like, there's nothing there. It's like your imagination will, will certain people, your imagination will, will run wild just for not having anything. Mm-hmm. It's like on this song that I did on my album called No Cable, I talk about how I feel like my creative, my creative mind formed from my lack of things in my life. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, I imagined things that were so much better that I was able to put that into my art. So mm-hmm. I feel like that plays a part in it. Mm-hmm. I think that I think I think you might have just fucked my head up a little bit with the way that you said that, because it's like sheer determination could change that, too, from being in those environments. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like coming from nowhere and not seeing anything that might make you work a little bit harder than the next person. Mm-hmm. And that could set your skill set apart, too. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's possible. I never thought about it like that until you just said it, because I'm always like in, in me. I'm like certain stuff is just one in a million. It's, mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't ma- I don't care how long you play basketball, how you weren't going to be Michael Jordan. Like, right. It, but that that part's true, though. So that there are certain things that do have like you know limits or or the way that we like measure things you might like see it as a bell curve right and so most people are going to be at the top of that bell and like this is the average but like a very rare amount of people are like at the top of that thing and and that is something that just like yeah someone like lebron you can't no matter how hard that's you work, training. you, you that's, cannot. That's your God-given ability. Yeah, you like, cannot be that tall. Like, okay. <laughs> like it doesn't matter how hard I work, I will not be as tall as LeBron James. Yeah. And you can, like, just accept that and and you know focus on your other skills. And but and that's a, no, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no, no you're good. Um, but like, that's the other part is that the willingness to use your starting point to get to where you want to go yeah (laughs) i mean i'm sorry that was just like a yeah that was a mindfuck for sure because i was like i've never thought about it being like the sheer determination and like yo your will to work harder than everybody else like making you one in a million because it's like it's just it seems like that seems just a little bit crazy to me you know what i'm saying like some of it has to be that's god put that in you you know what i'm saying like you were just destined to be that from the womb like you was going to find your way down this journey like that, that sure. It's like LeBron James was that focused on basketball whenever he was 13. Like, mm-hmm. but I mean, you know, I don't know. I never really like attached it to the work ethic or what you do. Cause I feel like anybody can work as hard as they want to, but some of that is like your innate ability. Like that's just in you. Mm. And, and I mean, so I'll, I'll give another example with like Kanye. So like he, he should not be like the way that the system works. He should not, be who he is right like he got in the room mm-hmm. everyone tried their hardest to keep him out of the room yeah he didn't fit the mold yeah <laughs> um and he forced his way in there through sheer just like narcissism and work ethic mm-hmm. like and and he he knows he knows that like he had to construct this level of narcissism to be able to get to that point right like i have to believe in myself this much or else i won't get there right um do you think that that pushes you to a certain level of insanity like trying to trying to force that trying to force trying to convince the world to believe that you are the things that you believe that you are like 
Yeah, I mean, I think that is part of the the sacrifice that he made in a way of like he did have to believe that he was that good and he was worthy of the respect. But he also worked his ass off for yeah, it. Yeah, for sure. For um sure. to where I mean I don't know how familiar you are with Kanye's story, but like Everything. the Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Through the wire was because of his worth work ethic. Yeah. He he got in a car wreck because he fell asleep at the wheel yeah. because he was working his ass off. But that, again, it brings me back to my divine intervention point. Like it's supposed to be that way. You know what I'm saying? Like it was written in the stars like that. Like it's, I don't know. I feel like, I don't know. I have to stand on that. That it's like some stuff that, that one in a million shit. Mm-hmm. It's just that it's like, I don't give a damn. Like you could, you could give birth tomorrow and have a son and be like, from the day that this baby learns how to walk, I'm putting a basketball in his hands and he's going to be LeBron James. And it's like, he could play his whole life and just, it'd be like, he trained and he had all the best trainers and he's okay, but it's not greatness. You know what I mean? Like you probably run into musicians like that's like, you've been training guitar, piano your whole life. And it's like, it's great. But there's a guy who came in and just learned it on his own. And he could just, he'd shit on you. Like he's just that guy. It's natural. Like, yeah, I don't, I don't know. And and it's it's different stuff, right? That like, and I'm not saying that like, I'm saying yes and like okay <laughs> the, the both that sometimes yeah there are um there are people that like uh the way that I refer to it is like a foot race, right? Some people start farther along in the race than others, and regardless of where you start, you can get to the end of the race. Um, but like... It won't be that one in a million because there's there's hella guys in the in the NBA who aren't LeBron James, but they may not have that legacy, but they made it to the NBA. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So that has to be acknowledged too. But it's like that one in a million shit still means something to me. Like it's just, mm-hmm. it's something about it that's going to set you aside from everybody outside. Like, and I don't think it's anything that you could have trained or prepared for. It's just in your blood, that's who you were. Yeah, yeah. But like, so I mean the difference as far as like where you start in the race. I mean, some people start, you know, 10 feet from the finish line and some people start like fucking outside the stadium. Like, <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, using the example of, of Kanye West, like Kanye West started outside the stadium and like Willow Smith started like, right. She already right, had all right of the, all the resources, like, all the advantages yeah. is right there. All you had to do was jump. Yeah. I get yeah. It. And so it's like, not, not to like, talk shit about Willow Smith because she also had to jump like <laughs> and so you know she can she could have just like sat there and been like oh well you know I don't really feel like doing yeah. music or being creative or whatever and it's like you sure because you got Will Smith as a dad and Jada Biggin Smith as your mom like you sure you don't want to do anything with this and you know she did and she's having the level of success yes definitely yeah because of that but but then that still puts like a it puts a stain like to some to some like extent like nepotism puts like a stain on your efforts and you could be amazing but it's like just because you had that like you said that head start people will shit on your effort like Mm. like, oh you didn't have it as hard there's no struggle in this so it's not that great you mean like will smith is your dad so you had access to all these resources like you could just launch a career at 12 and have a platinum song like Mm. Kanye had to damn near die just to get <laughs> to get somebody to take him serious and hear it out. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, you're, it's like you said, yes, and it's mm-hmm. the so yeah, I get it. I'm sorry, I mean, going on. <laughs> no, no, you're good, that. but like that is, and and that is what we're dealing with in the music scene, right? And and this is a pay to win game mm-hmm. at this point, and so we can decide like 
what are you willing to invest, whether it's your time, whether it's your money, whether it's your image, whether it's your morals, like you can roll the dice however you want and and do whatever works for you and, and yeah. find success however you can. Right now we live in the internet age and so the circumstances are are a bit different for everyone. Yeah. And so randomly anyone could find that one in a million thing just because of that day or that moment or whatever, like this specific thing was trending and you uploaded it to TikTok whenever this thing was trending and it just hit. And now you have 10 million followers on TikTok and you, it doesn't matter what you do. Like it'll be lucrative. I feel like even with that though, even those people who catch those viral moments and have like that big look, I learned that like quality still matters. Like good music still matters. It's like, even though the music industry is so oversaturated and if, you got a microphone and a laptop, you're an artist tomorrow. You know what I mean? Like, you can pay your fee and get your stuff on streaming or SoundCloud, whatever, just like anybody else. It's, it's what you said. Like, if you dedicated to it and you want to do it, you can do it. It's nothing that they're doing that's just, like, out of your reach. Anybody can do it. Mm-hmm. But it's, like, it's still that the, the music industry finds new people to make the new person every single day. But how often do we see a career that runs 10, 20 years? Like, you know, back in the day, it would be like a Tina Turner or Aretha Franklin. And it's like, they'll be well into their 70s and 80s. And we're still talking about their legacy. You know what I mean? With what's happening now and what we're seeing in the world, we got Beyonce. Like you said, Kanye West. Um, it's not... It's not a lot of long-term, one-in-a-million careers that we're seeing anymore. Like Jay-Z, Beyonce, Kanye, Rihanna. If you could probably get them all on maybe five, one-and-a-half hand, maybe. Like mm-hmm. just what we're seeing, it's like I, I've been seeing it the last 10 years. A lot of stuff just came and went. You know what I mean? Like, so it's still, I believe the quality matters because that's the shit that's going to be long-term. It's like, is it actually that damn good? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't, I don't know. But Yes, and. Like, <laughs> and that's the thing. So how are you using that virality, right? If if you do get 10 million on, on TikTok, what are you going to do with it? Right. And if you, if it hits and you just go, oh, cool. And then just go on about your life. You can't create another moment. Right, yeah. And so, you know, tons of people would kill for that moment. It's like, I know exactly what to do with this moment. If you will just give me that moment, I will capitalize like yeah yeah. but it's somebody new every day like you said that catches a moment like that but Mm -hmm. that and it wasn't even planned it wasn't even intentional that's just the moment Mm -hmm. 10 million followers there was no follow-up it's like this was just a i struck lightning it was it was nothing Mm -hmm. like i I don't know i think that but i still i still argue my point of like the no we're arguing the same point because it's like you said it's like um if you have if you know how to take that moment and capitalize and it makes everything different Mm -hmm. but it's like we're seeing it every day where it's something new and it's not standing the test of time Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, yeah, yes, and so I mean, yeah, exactly, so. and so it it is a bit weird, and you know, part of me is sad that like I don't know, there's there's a, a sum of money that I can pay to like reach the level of success that I yeah. want or just like need to survive off of my music, which yeah. is like, which is what we as artists kind of consider to be success anymore we don't need hyper fame we don't need you know to be stopped in the streets we just need to like be able to just make enough money so that we don't die Uh, (laughs) um and like there's a sum of money that i can pay and then it will like come right back right um but 
the journey is also fun, right? So I, I don't know what that sum of money is, but I can. But then again, it depends on what your goal is. It's like if you if you tell me like I have a single that I know is going to work at radio. Like, I need to know how do I get it into the radio nationwide? Like, get this syndicated. Everybody's mm-hmm. going to hear this song. Mm-hmm. It's like you said, it's a, it's a price tag on that. If you have $100,000, you can approach damn near every radio director in all 50 mm-hmm. states, and you can have that song. The minute the people get in their car, they're going to hear that song. Mm-hmm. Like, but then if that's only the moment, what if there's no hit after? Mm-hmm. If that was just the one moment that you had? It's yeah. the same shit, a waste of $100,000. Mm-hmm. You had that one. And even if you don't recoup all of it, it's like, that's not, it, it's for me personally, it's just, it's not enough. I wouldn't want to have the one moment. You know what I'm saying? Like I want it, I want that long-term career. I want legacy. Like, yeah. like we just talked about LeBron James. Like, what is this? His 19th, 20th season or some <laughs> shit. Like he should not be playing basketball anymore. He's talking about, about to take on his first year of playing with his, his teenage son. It's like, you have to realize how long of a run that is to have yeah. in an NBA career. That's mm-hmm. unheard of. Um, same thing with Beyonce. It's like we talked about Prince and Michael Jackson before, and it's like there weren't big superstars like that long that came a lot after them. You know what I'm saying? Like even those artists, like to an extent, like they had to have some total respect for Beyonce because it's like we're not seeing this anymore to where artists actually care about the music and developing to be the best version of their craft. It's like it's far from you and in between. Like people don't even care. It's like like the vibe stuff we were talking about earlier. Some people go into the studio with a vibe. They're not mm-hmm. focused on composing the best song they can. They just want to go in the studio and have a good time. Like mm-hmm. Having amazing careers, but it's like, it's a legacy though. Mm-hmm. How does that music sound 10 years from now whenever we grow up? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the other part, yeah, like what, what you're saying of like, what do you want out of it? Yeah. And some people are cool with just like, sure, I'll, I'll, a moment. I'll be famous for a year or whatever. Yeah. And sure. And, and to some people, it just happens to them and they're like, oh crap, I didn't want this. But like, <laughs> I feel like Rick Astley is, just keeps you know, the spotlight keeps shining on him. He's like, yep, I did sing Never Gonna Give You Up. And he's just like, I'm just an awkward guy. And I tried music for a bit and like, I'm not about it. But like, people still play that song. (laughs) Um, But but yeah, uh, it is it is tough because, yeah, you can pay whatever the the hundred thousand it is to get that major song on the radio. And then what? And are you are you going to keep paying for the next thing? Maybe the next time uh, it won't cost as much because your last one hit. Maybe the next time and like, all right, cool. But now you're, you know, maybe the next time it's only fifty thousand dollars. The next time it's only ten thousand dollars. And the next time, like, you don't even have to do anything. Um, so, I mean, the fact that like Kendrick Lamar can drop an album and just like share it on Twitter or something. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but there was a lot of work involved to get to that point. Um, and the quality needs to be there too, like yeah. you're saying. Because it's like you could have that 100000 take that song, say radio on that song, not be a hit. Mm-hmm. And that's just a waste of your 100000 mm-hmm. But it's like, even like you said, the people who catch one and they have the hit and they have that moment and then there's no follow-up. There's not another song to come behind that one. You had a great night in the studio that night and you have that to offer and it's nothing else. Mm-hmm. I don't even think that that's a good investment. Mm-hmm. Like you, it's like, I don't know. I just, I stand on you have to have a plan and a vision on you can't just, I don't feel like just striking it once. You got to keep coming back with it. Like, Yeah. And it, it's a funny thing though. And I don't know about you, but like most like music connoisseurs I know tend to, and this is like, this is going to sound like the most hipster, hipster shit ever, but like most people 
I know are like, oh yeah, I like their early stuff better, right? Why is that? From an artist and somebody who's kind of like paid attention to the industry and how it works, um, I think a lot of people would be surprised to know like how many people are in like fucked up contracts and they don't have creative control in the way that they roll out or present their art. Mm-hmm. It drastically changes, which is where a lot of artists start to get miserable because it's like, mm-hmm. I came into it, I was just having a great time. I was making my music. This was awesome. Some people heard it and they liked it. Um, some people came and said, all right, well, we want to put some money behind it to make it so that the world can enjoy this. Sounds like a great deal. Cool. They don't tell you, okay, well, we need this to work for this age group in this region. So we need you to make five more songs that sound like that. Mm-hmm. And anybody who like make, makes music that's a true creative, like I'm a person that's like, each song is a moment. Mm-hmm. I couldn't recreate that if I tried to. That's just not how I make my music. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So I think once the once the back end, like the back end business part comes into play, I feel like it ruins a lot of stuff. Like if you weren't knowledgeable going into it, like it'll take your your joy and your freedom. Mm-hmm. So it's important to know the things that you have to have to keep the train going. Because if you don't know, it could go off the rails. It's like you could get in there and they give you this lump sum of money and then they want you to deliver something. And just like creatively, that's not me. They want to change your image. They want to present you to a certain crowd that's not your audience. So you don't fit with those people and then it doesn't work. And then the people you're trying to tell it to, they don't understand anything but numbers mm-hmm. and analytics. So it's like, I'm I'm trying to explain to you that this doesn't work because of the things that you guys are making me trying to do. This is why it's going south. But they don't they can't wrap their minds around that. It's a bunch of old white men with a lot of money who are just like, no, the numbers say this, so we need to do this. Mm-hmm. It ruins everything in the creatives. Like that's how I view it. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the artists that have legacy um, are the opposite. Yeah. Every next thing that they make is better than the last. Yeah. And. And maybe it's not like, you know, sometimes there's just like a peak, right? But like every next thing that they make is like, wow, they really... You're like, not repackaging the same yeah. garbage. Like, it's and it's not not garbage, but it's like <laughs> you're not repackaging and selling me the same shit. It's like mm-hmm. you finding a new way to creatively present it. It's like those people that we talked about, like um, the Princes, the Michael Jacksons, like whenever they show Michael Jackson eras or... I've seen this thing trend on Twitter where they show Kanye eras, like just visually how he looked, like Mm -hmm. the sound of the music, what was influencing him at the time. You can see it. And it's like you said, it goes up and down on what you feel about quality in the albums that you like. But it's it's being presented different ways creatively every single time. And that's what I think keeps people coming back and being drawn into it because we're interested to see how you come this time because I never know how you're going to present it. Like it's not predictable. Yeah. Versus the artists that like, I'm sorry to say, but like, I don't know if Drake is going to have a legacy. Damn, seriously, you feel that way? There's, there's like, I don't know, the fact that he's just like putting out stuff. Do you feel like he's already hit his peak? Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Like, I don't know. I don't remember the last like Drake song that got stuck in my head. Okay. I can respect (laughs) that. Um, Yeah. and, And granted, I don't actively listen to Drake. Right. It's not something you're seeking out. I get it. But I... I can see it, though, in his output, right? To make an album cover with emojis, you're saying something, right? I feel like creatively it was so boring, though. Mm-hmm. It's like, I feel like artists like Drake, you have the access to the um, some of the greatest creatives in the world. You know what I'm saying? And you have the money to get access to those things. It's like you could do some amazing things creatively. I don't know what Drake's approach is. I think, like, once I'm, like, once I'm up for real, I would like to have a conversation with him about that. Because as a Drake fan, like, I'm always, like, I wonder what his approach was with this. Because it's, like, the music will be great. And it'll be, like, but the way that you presented it, why that? 
Mm-hmm. And Drake, what I love about him as an artist is that he's not the person that feels the need to explain why. It just, it is that. Mm-hmm. If you liked it, cool. If you didn't, if not, I'll be back next year. And if that song catches you, cool. And if not, I'll be back the year after that. Sure. When he wants to come and take radio and make those things happen, whenever Drake decides he wants to have the moment, he has the moment. But it's just mm-hmm. creatively how you present it. I always wonder, like, why why be a lazy creative? You know what exactly. I mean? Like, I I never understood that part. Like, I don't I don't know. Even the rollout with the last album, the um the house music album. And I, I think it's behind the scenes stuff that we don't know with the the way that the sound is changing and what's happening. And I think Drake has like a funny way of uh, addressing it publicly, but not really telling you what's going on. Mm. So I don't know. But I'm, I'm with you on that to where I don't understand creatively why he presents it like that. Like, I don't know. Yeah. And it, and, you know, there's there's a a way of doing it either way, because like you can go too hard mm. in in one direction and then make something so like artistically profound that no one gets you it. You lose the people. Yeah. yeah. And did you like Jesus? I I did like Jesus. Okay. But <laughs> yeah. And you know, that was one of those albums. Like even even his approach to the change with the gospel stuff, it's all it, it depends on how open-minded you are in your creativeness. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like with the Yeezus stuff, I didn't understand where he was taking it. I like whenever Kanye experiments experiments with the sound. But sometimes I may not be the audience, but I understand what he's trying to do. You know what I'm saying? So I like stuff like that. Even if I don't 1000% get what's happening, it's like I loved Frank Ocean's Channel Orange. Mm-hmm. Blonde didn't get the same praise from me. You know what I'm saying? Like creatively, he just he took it somewhere else to me. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So it's it's different stuff like that. Like still love their art and the way that they create. It's just the way that it gets presented sometimes. It's like you said, it might go over some people's heads. That's just what mm-hmm. it is. But yeah. Yeah. And, and I do feel like Blonde specifically, actually... Yeah. I mean, he spent so much time on that album and then he like, he put it out and then just like peaced out. Yeah. And, you know, he, he did his magnum opus and was like, all right, I'm good. And, and Frank Ocean could be, you know, in the studio making the next cool thing. Um, And I'd rather he do that. I'd rather he take his time uh, instead of just like, all right, here's the, an hour and a half of, yeah. random stuff that I put together in the studio. But you know, you was go. that um that big deal around the Blonde album where he was getting out of his deal and he gave him the album with him making the stairs with the Apple Music album mm-hmm. and then came back to... So it's like I get into my mindset with that, like we were talking before to where the creators aren't happy with the way that the business is being handled and then they'll do things just to do it so that they can get their freedom back. Yeah. So it's not really... um Blonde wasn't the moment that I was looking for, but I feel like he's going to come back and do something amazing, like with mm-hmm. his own creative freedom and his own way to do it. But it's sure. just... I feel like that business shit kind of like played a part in the way that that was rolled out and the way that that happened. Like, but I was expecting a lot more after Channel Orange because it was so fucking amazing. Like, yeah. And, and that's the, the challenge that we have being in a music business is a creative business. Yeah. And so at some point it needs to start making money. Yeah. And it sucks, right? That like, this is my soul. It's this thing that I'm putting so much of myself into. Yeah. Can't I just live? And it's like, no, <laughs> you have to. It's a business. Yeah, yeah. You have to sell it somehow. But that, that still, it takes me back to my first point to where it's like, no, the business has to be right for you to be happy as a creative. Like I'm learning that a little bit more every day. It's like when you go into these meetings and these offices with these people, you got to know exactly what you want. Like they're not giving you what you word. You get what you negotiate. You know what I mean? Like, you got to know what it takes for you to keep it moving. You know what I mean? Like, if it's like, okay, maybe royalties and publishing and all these things, like, 
maybe those aren't your bread and butter for what you want to do, but maybe you want to keep 100% creative control. And that's what you want to fight for. It's like, what do you want to fight for you to obtain? Like, yeah. but it has to be in order in order for you to be like, to healthy, to be like healthy in the way that you create to where it just doesn't just sound like you throwing shit together and throwing it out just to recoup, to get the money back to the label. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. And honestly, uh, I think labels are are gonna go by way of the landline, you know, like we're, we have what is necessary to make the music that we want. Yeah. And, um, maybe the, the indie label will still be around, but like, it's the money to get it to the masses. It's yeah. not, I don't think it's, um, it's like you said, everybody can, we can all get microphones, computers. We can, we can produce the music. We can pay for the streaming stuff and get it on streaming. You can get it to SoundCloud. You can shoot your videos, get them on YouTube. But it's like it limits if you don't have the funds to push it to a bigger audience and you don't want to just be stuck where you are. Like, I don't make music for my neighborhood or just Oklahoma City or the town that I'm in or the people that I'm seeing all the time. It's like, no, I feel like this shit could work in Japan. Like Mm -hmm. whenever I go and check my stats and it'll be like 1300 streams in the UK. And then it brings me back to the conversation of how did this connect there? And they Mm -hmm. love it because what? Like and then you find somebody in the UK who will tell a friend who will tell a friend. You mean and then it's it's worldwide, it's global, but. You have to have the money and like you were talking about earlier, the marketing to get it to the right people. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I guess because of like the way that the American dream is set up in music, like who the fuck just wants to make the music and then just sit where they at with it. And it doesn't expand. It doesn't get big. It's like you just want to do local gigs and just be in a little hole in the wall your whole life. Like who? And maybe there are artists who are like just doing music as a hobby who are fine with that. Mm-hmm. But it's like if you're really doing it from the point of the music business, it's like that makes no sense. It sounds like a yeah. waste of time. you got to find a way to, to market it and get it to people. But then that brings us back to the money conversation to where if it costs a hundred thousand to get it to radio and you work in a nine to five, it's, it's kind of a push. It might take your whole life just to get it to that one look if you don't take this route, you know? Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. And that also kind of goes back to that like talent skill thing, but like, it's also, uh, I, I think of a lot of endeavors as like time, money, and network um and so how much time are you willing to put in if you don't have as much time how much money are you willing to put in if you don't have a lot of time and money who do you know yeah um and you know sometimes you can use all three uh and sometimes people don't have any and it you know that that becomes a, a greater sort of systemic question to ask about why some people don't have any of those things why can't they why can't those people also find success um and yeah again that's sort of a a separate (laughs) conversation but like yeah there there are ways of playing this game right and so if you are able to get a hit that you know reaches millions of people and you get that you know 10 million followers out of it there is a way to actually make that last for the rest of your life even if it only hits once and if you make sure that you own all the publishing and you make sure that you know what uh libraries to put it into so that it gets into every movie of the time and every like tv show of the time 
like you only get one hit song but if you know how to play that game that can work like yeah financially set up yeah exactly and you know what the if you get your hit song into an episode of law and order they're always playing reruns of law and order every time that your song plays in that episode you're getting a payout for it yeah (laughs) and i mean it's people who it's like you said it's the people who will take that and they'll be great with that Mm. but it's just i don't man i don't know i just feel like the way that I see it, it's like if, if I couldn't have it and have it to be larger than life, like I want the ability to be able to be like, I have a Pepsi deal and I'm doing the Super Bowl halftime show. And creatively, wherever my mind wants to take this, I can present that on the world stage. Like mm-hmm. once you get a Super Bowl show, it's just a different type of level that you reach. So it's like the weekend. Like I love what he did with the After Hours album to where like you created this character and then created this narrative around it and you ran all across the country, all across the globe with this story and you took it and presented it in different ways, different places, just creatively. Mm -hmm. But it's like, it wasn't small. It was like, it went global. Like you took that everywhere. So it's like, I want to do shit like that. I don't want it to just be the hole in the wall. Like the, it was a cool moment. It's like, Mm -hmm. I want them to be talking about that shit 20 years from now. You know what I'm saying? Like I want legacy. It's like, I think that that holds so much more value. If I was going to do it just to be, not to say like mediocre, but just just to have it at like mid range, I wouldn't even try as hard. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, it's yeah. It it just goes back to the first point of it. it it's got to be how you see it and what you really want. Yeah. Like, Do you think someone like The Weekend or Prince or Drake would tell you you don't want it? Probably. Yeah. <laughs> if I'm honest, hell yeah, I think they tell you that you don't want it. Like. But then again, I'm a conspiracy theorist. Mm-hmm. So it's like, even with the stuff surrounded like Prince's death or Michael Jackson's death <laughs> or the way, like once Michael Jackson had too much money, power and influence, mm-hmm. strange things started happening in his life. And I mm-hmm. think that that comes with a lot of celebrities that we see. Like once they start to realize that they can't really control your reach, they mm-hmm. try to do things to sour how far that reach goes. It's like mm-hmm. me personally, like the same conversation we had about the R. Kelly. Okay, I'll, I'll write off the R. Kelly situation. There's. 16, 20 women who can tell the story of these things that happened. The Michael Jackson situation, I don't believe that he molested those kids. They had a lot of stories and documentaries where them kids were saying that that wasn't what happened. And then there were some situations with some sick shit to where it's like the parents took the money just to say that they did it to help another cause. You know what I mean? And I mean, that happens every day in our world too. Like it's a fucked up society out here that's real. But it's like, definitely I think those are people who tell you that you don't want it. Like the attention, like the, I think that level of fame that like Michael Jackson or Beyonce have is like terrible to not be able to go to the mall. Like I heard this story about Michael Jackson while he was going through his, um, his trial, he went and spent some time in Dubai because the case was so crazy. Like he couldn't go anywhere. He couldn't leave his house. So he goes over to the Dubai and was staying at the Sheikh's house. And the Sheikh made it like a law that the people in Dubai could not speak to Michael Jackson. (laughs) So he could just go to the mall and walk the streets and nobody would bother him because, you know, it's like we said, like in different countries, you still, they cut your hand off. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you speak to Michael Jackson, they might take your ear. It's not that deep. (laughs) So it's like Michael Jackson was living at his most peace, but his most aloneness, like all of because of his gift of music and this level of fame and success that he got. And it kind of destroyed everything. It's like, Mm -hmm. I don't know. I think they all go through that. I think that's terrifying. The thought of having like, hundreds of people chasing you through a mall or going to a hotel and you can't even walk out because it's pandemonium outside. Mm-hmm. It's got to be some terrible shit with that. Like to just want to go to Target and not have somebody take a picture of you, like not with you, just take a picture of you following right. you around. Like, so I think it's a bunch like of- Like you're in a zoo. <laughs> I think that it's terrible shit that comes with it, but it's like whenever you talk about sacrifices and the things that kind of like you- like we talked about good and necessary evils, like things mm-hmm. that kind of go hand in hand, it comes with it. It's like, 
yeah, you get this lavish life and you get to create a legacy for yourself, but you give up anonymity. You give up so many things to be able to obtain that. Like, I remember when uh, when Kim Kardashian had, I think it was like her second baby. And she was like, I sent out pictures of my baby and um, of a baby in different color onesies to all of my friends to see which one showed up on TMZ so that I know which one of my friends was leaking the business to the news. <laughs> to, to have to go that extreme just yeah. to have your child and figure out which of your friends you can trust. That got to be a terrible feeling. Like mm -hmm. if you just had your kid, it's like, I just want to send my friends a picture, a picture of my kid and know it's not going to wind up on the news tomorrow because they had $10,000 to give them for it. Mm -hmm. That's sacrifice that you give for the life that you want. Yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. I think all of them would say, no, you don't want it. Do you still want it? Yeah. <laughs> just keep it real with you. It's like, you kind of got to, you have to learn how to play the game. It's like once I'm a person who's like, I'm super observant. So it's like, I watch the the way that things go and the things that you play, the things you can say, the things you probably shouldn't say. Even if you have a strong opinion or feeling like the certain things that will probably be best if this was just my opinion personally and I wasn't sharing it on a public platform because I'm not trying to influence people with it. It's mm -hmm. just how I feel. You know yeah. what I mean? But once you become a person of influence, you bring a number of people who will agree with you and then there's power in that. Mm -hmm. And then that makes the government uncomfortable. Like if Big Sean goes on an interview and starts talking about the power of shrooms and how you can unlock different chambers in your mind. The government's like, you're talking too much about that. Shut up about all of that. You know what I'm saying? Like the FBI literally is coming to talk to him about this woke shit that he's talking about. And they like, don't get on the radio talking about that. Yeah. Well, That's crazy. It's good to know that uh, my podcast has not reached that point because <laughs> uh, I definitely have said things like we need, we need to be scary yeah. as a people. We need to scare the people in power. Yeah, we should. Uh, <laughs> and it's like, if you if your platform was so much bigger, they would come talk to you about that. Mm -hmm. That's the scary part about it. You know what I mean? Like, do you really want that or you do want the freedom to just be able to sit in a room in your house and discuss the things you want to discuss and not have anybody come knock on your door and say, hey, we don't like that. You know what I mean? Like, yes, that's and. the sacrifice. <laughs> yes, and. You know what? <laughs> like, do come knock on my door. Yeah. Let's talk. It's an interesting story to be able to tell after the <laughs> fact. So, yeah. Well, no, but like, Let's talk. Who is the person knocking on my door? What are you doing? You know, why? Like, so it's it's your job to come in and and let it be known that I can't be saying these things. So to be on the why government's you? radar, that wouldn't yeah. scare you at all. Like just in the here and now, it's like if you said something. Um, OK, so I majored whenever I went to college, I majored in criminal justice. And we had a, a seminar where a CIA agent came and talked to us because they were trying to like the job fair type shit. And he was like, um if you go into a post office or like you're out in public and you threaten to do bodily harm to the president, agents will come to your house and talk to you to see if you are serious about that threat. It don't matter where you are, what you mm -hmm. say, like you could be somewhere in the middle of a store and going off and, and threaten the president. And if somebody reports that agents will come to your house and talk to you, CIA agents, mm -hmm. and it'll be a very real conversation and you will go on a watch list. Mm -hmm. And it's not, he was like, people think that stuff like that is far fetched and because the land of the free home of the brave, you can just do and say whatever you want to. And it's like, no, we still have a lot of control and we'll find out if you do the smallest thing, like mm. the the codes on your money. Like if we want to shop money to see what's happening with certain type of bills and then find out where they went, we can find that out. Mm -hmm. People don't think that deep into it. Mm -hmm. So it sounds cool, but it's like to have them come to your house, talk to you and then be on a watch list. And then they might be harassing you depending on what you said and did. Mm. It's kind of scary. Sure. Um, but it also means that anyone has the power to command a horde of white men yeah. to go to anyone's house. We all have that power. That's yeah. kind of hilarious. 
It it is, but <laughs> it is. But on the other side, I do think that shit is just a little bit scary. It's like the um the shit with our phones, with with Amazon Prime and the Siri shit and all that. Like if you just having a conversation, I read the story where um a couple was having like a domestic dispute in the the Amazon uh what what is the Amazon one called Alexa Alexa, yeah. Alexa called the police mm. and they were trying to like figure out how to get a lawsuit against Amazon because how are you guys listening for mm. like it's it's different shit like that it's kind of like it's it's a little bit scary but it's real yeah yeah um I, I'm debating if I should like at least go like five minutes into the like conspiracy rabbit hole because I'm I'm a little bit of a anti conspiracy theorist in in the sense that. Like, there are conspiracies, right? Like, the government did absolutely put crack cocaine into black neighborhoods. They did. To, like, that's that's not a conspiracy theory. That's a fact. That's a conspiracy. Uh, that's a <laughs> they, fact. They, they did, did that. that. Um, and so, yes. 9-11. Uh, huh? 9-11. Yeah, that is, that is, like. In your opinion, so, like, what is that? So, I, I used to be, like, a 9-11 truther and... At this point now, I'm just like, it's a little too complicated to pull off and it sucks. Um, I don't think we're really going to know, um, but I don't think so. Um, the, the place where conspiracies to me fall apart and what kind of makes me an anti-conspiracy theorist is the like, uh, you know about Occam's razor? It's just like a fancy term for like the most probable explanation is usually the explanation. And so the more complicated things get, the more convoluted people get with like, oh, the Illuminati, there's like some secret organization that's like organizing everything. And it's like that is really complicated. You really underestimate just how stupid and incompetent the government is. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and so it's like, you know, it's, it's one thing to say like, oh, the cops are like all in this like conspiracy to like hurt people specifically. And they like all talk to each other and stuff. It's like, not necessarily. There are just racist cops. Yeah. Um, and yeah, sometimes it's not that deep. Sometimes it's just people are dumb. Yeah. It's are bullshit. Crazy. It is what it is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so. Conspiracies are a way for people to make sense of the world around them and like, oh, this has an explanation. The, the further down you dig, the more explanations there are. And sometimes it's like, there's not an explanation. It just, sometimes shit just happens or sometimes people are dumb. And it's just like, I don't think, you know, for Uvalde, for example, like the more we learn about that shooting, the more it's just like, yeah, those cops were just terrible yeah they handled the situation horribly yeah like, yeah. yeah and there is no like oh there's you know the right-wing conspiracy theorists would be like oh this is some leftist conspiracy to like take away our guns or whatever yeah. and it's like just like look at the evidence and like the cops and it's just like oh they're just terrible cops yeah but when they tell the story about the shooter I'm, this is where they got me whenever they talk about <laughs> the amount of money that the guns were and the kind of ammo that he had and it's like oh he was this poor kid getting bullied this this and that and then I'm one of those people, well, where did he get the money for those guns and all that ammunition? But then it takes me back to the conversation you just had about the government putting crack cocaine in black communities. <laughs> it's like, I feel like the government can put hands in a lot of shit to just make some random shit happen. It's like, I feel like there is something that they're doing with gun control, but 
I'm not exactly sure what it is, but it is some weird shit in the mix. Cause like, then all of a sudden you start hearing about all these mass shootings. Like, so I said, I wonder, were they controlling the media to keep us from knowing that this many mass shootings were happening every week or mm-hmm. because this is happening. It's a trend of it. Just copycats doing this crazy shit. Right. Well, it's just like, it's complicated. And it also isn't in that there are just like lots of people and there are lots of people that are very angry and it's very easy to get a gun in the United States that <laughs> and it's like it sucks right like and and if only there was a way to like oh the government can just like stop these shootings from happening like no it's, it's complicated yeah, yeah it's no, like it's, it's, like it's complicated we can like unless we make it harder to obtain a gun like these things are going to keep happening yeah. and so uh, <laughs> time money and network like yeah. i don't know how the how that kid could have afforded those guns or afforded that can of ammo, yeah. but maybe he has a uncle that's also a gun nut. Maybe he like, you know, uh, like if you do research, you might get the, an yeah. That maybe makes he sense. staked yeah. out the gun store and was like, "Ooh, I know that like if I can like go this way, I'll like be able to steal some yeah. bullets or whatever. Whatever it is, like it's both really complicated and not that complicated. I get it. I respect it. <laughs> Uh, yeah Kayla thank you for doing this with me uh, where can people find you and your things once again um, I'm on everything as she is KO um, I am a conspiracy theorist so <laughs> feel free to uh, you know join it if you catch me rambling on about any of those things like you just heard us talking about but yeah um, thank you for having me like I'm grateful this was this was a super dope conversation like I'm I'm honored to be here I think this is cool thank you uh, yeah I I want to Give voice to more people doing dope shit. Yeah. You're doing dope shit. The conversation is just different. So, I mean, just keep doing it. I think it's cool. Like, I do a whole lot of interviews, but this conversation was definitely different. Like, especially not having it centered around the music and just talking about life and and just your ideals on shit. Like, that's cool. So, yeah, I like mm-hmm. it. It was cool. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I'm Santiago Ramones. I'm KO. What song is about to play now? Um, We will play Summertime Fine. Yeah. Won't your body, won't your sex Get to kissing on your neck And you know it's coming next Just come over, get undressed That's for real, ain't trying to flex Wanna see how that shit dripping From my face down to my chest You so thorough, you the best, oh Gave me some, I want the rest, oh 101, there ain't another, no just something that you gotta know something that you gotta know yeah drop tops in the summertime you done fine acid so massive with no waistline i'ma waste a whole lot of things i don't waste time i'ma waste a whole lot of things i don't waste time but at the same time i be tweaking I be stressing, got my reasons. I just want to ball for 32 seasons. I hit a bad bitch up at the four seasons. I be in my head a lot. I be dreaming. Me and my issues, all of my demons. We just set a campfire and had a meeting. Some days it's twisted, most days it's pleasing. Talking to the Lord and reading the Ephesians. Then I came back to touch on you and please it. God gave you blessings, I just want to see it. Not on the cell phone, it's 3D it or the 4K. BK, you can have that shit your way. Trying to take a little time on the full play. Pull you up a little Hennessy or Bombay. Then make the shit special like your birthday. Yeah. Drop tops in the summertime, you done fine. Acid, so massive with no waistline. 
I'ma waste a whole lot of things, I don't waste time. I'ma waste a whole lot of things, I don't waste time. You can find everything that I do on my website, SantiagoRamones.com. I make music and produce audio. The music you're hearing now is music I made. You can listen to official releases by Santiago Ramones on Spotify, Apple Music, and the other streaming places. Or you can support me directly by buying my music on Bandcamp. I'm working on Hypothetical, my first singer-songwriter album. So if you'd like to hear that at some point, there are lots of ways to support me on my website. There's a Discord server in which we discuss deep topics from the podcast, but it's also a community of beautiful human beings. All the links to all my things are on my website, SantiagoRamones.com. Please take a moment to rate and review the podcast. It would mean a lot to me to hear what you have to say, and it lets others know what to expect better than I could ever explain. I want to help the world have deeper conversations. So thank you for listening to and supporting BitDepth. I was in the podcast with my three things. They shaped my life philosophy. They shaped my life philosophy. Those three things are love never fails. It's going to be okay. I might be wrong. 